it's the right reason for you. But if you were doing it for validation and you liked it and you liked it and you liked it and five people liked it, you'd think, well, why not six? Why not seven? Why not a hundred? Why not 101? It will never be enough because you're using that to validate yourself. Hello guys, welcome again to Higher Take. <laughs> Next to me is my co-host Walid as usual. And today we have with us a life coach, a woman leader, and most importantly, a beautiful soul. Ladies and gentlemen, Nuna Nafusi. How are you doing, Nuna? I'm good. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be joining uh, we're, you. We're very excited to have you. I mean, a, a life coach, man. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's only the beginning of it, in my opinion. There's, there's a lot to, to Nuna that I think uh, she will provide lots of value to our audience. I mean, we're very excited to have you. And uh, uh, given your past experiences and, and the multiple industries that we're going to dive deep into uh, in a bit, uh, I think you'll be able to provide some amazing insights that our audience will be able to use and implement in their daily lives so that hopefully uh, they will be able to achieve their you know, objectives, their ambitions. So again, thank you very much for being here with us. And I'm looking forward for this uh, next hour yeah. or so. <laughs> <laughs> so as we mentioned, like we uh, have so many things to dig deep into. And uh, I want to take you a bit into a trip into memory lane. So uh, first you pursue the degree in psychology and then you pursue a degree in economics. And then you shifted so many jobs. So you started a marketing job and then a recruitment job and then back to marketing and then back to recruitment, which ultimately led you to where you are today. And that's a life coach. Can you elaborate on how was their journey from the beginning to the start? Yeah. So actually they were all recruitment jobs. All it's just that I was recruiting salespeople and then recruiting marketing people. So my whole career has been recruitment. And recruiting. Yeah. Oh. It's all been recruitment. Uh, amazing. And how, how, was, how was that like? when you were recruiting, like what's some of the main aspects, you know, you, you look into and how did you leverage this experience, you know, to use it in life coaching? Because in recruiting, you've seen like thousands of people. Yeah. <laughs> and we know how many interviews companies do in order to recruit one person. Yeah. So I'm sure you've seen lots of candidates. Like what makes them, you know, the successful candidates? I think, and this is um, what got me into coaching. I think to be very good at recruit um, in an interview, you have to have the belief that you're worth the job that you're applying for. And this is how I became a coach. So I would interview people and I've probably done over 10,000 hours. I calculated it. I think it's wow. about 14,000 hours of interviews. I started at 20. And um, what I noticed is that the people, there'd be two people for a job with the same skills. The minute someone walked in, I could tell if they were going to get the job or not. The second they walked the in. The second. So what yeah. about, it's about their posture, their presence in the room. It's more what? than that. It's the energy. It's the energy. It's how they hold themselves. They don't even need to speak. Oh, it's okay. how they hold themselves. It's how they smile. It's how they use their language, how they open their mouth. Like everything, everything the you handshake. can tell. The handshake. Very important. <laughs> the yeah. Yeah. These are very, very good points, uh, but. I want to get more into it, but maybe you can give us an overall approach of who is Nuna Nafusi. You know, uh, I mean, Maher did a very good introduction. He said uh, you've worked in uh, recruiting, obviously, then you made it into life coaching. So how did you get there? How did you start? Where did you start? Yeah, so I, when I was 26, I did an NLP course, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming, which is all li literally a manual for your brain. And I just remember my mind being absolutely blown. And I felt like someone had given me a new pair of glasses to wow. see the world because they were teaching you about the power of language, the power of how to understand where someone, how someone was thinking in how they were moving their eyes, um, how people react to things, how you could tell someone's lying just through their breath, just everything. So I became obsessed. Um, and this really helped me with my interviewing as well, because I could use everything that I learned to tell, like, yeah. really get to know someone really deeply. So this so. NLP, it's mm. a course about, like, how the, the brain. brain functions. Yeah. Okay. 
and you, you use it, you know, to basically understand people more and more. Yeah. Uh, so it helped you in recruiting and you were already in recruiting during yeah. that time. Yes. I and was. you had a background of psychology. Mm. So did you have always this goal of being in recruiting? Um, the thing I loved about recruiting, and I still do love recruiting, I think it's one of the most important things to get right in a company. You have to hire the right people. Um, and the thing that I loved about recruitment is that I could go into any company. So I would recruit from CEOs to directors oh. to sales engineers to so many different roles. And the thing that I loved is that I could sit down with anybody and they could tell me what their business was doing and I would get it straight away. And I would understand what type of person need, they needed to fill that role. That's one. Number two, when you're recruiting, you've also got to recruit someone who's going to fit in the culture of the company. So by just walking into the office, by just speaking to the manager, by getting to talk to them, I would know if that person would fit, not just from their skills, but culturally would they fit? And when you find someone who fits and then five years later, they say, I'm still here and I've been promoted and I've moved to this country and their children have had gone to a better school. There is nothing like it. So I really think recruitment, I have such a passion about it. I still do. Um, I think it's a great job. Amazing. Maybe for, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening right now, uh, applying everywhere here and there you know uh everyone a lot of people are looking for a job so what would you you know advise them since you've did a lot of interviews potentially met a lot of people what would you advise them how, how should they prepare you know what companies should they apply for how should they act in the interview so maybe these type of stuff you know would really help people understand what they should do to, to succeed because it's very difficult nowadays to get a job it's not yeah. easy I, I would say the, the thing that makes someone stands out in an interview is what they do outside of work. What they do outside of work. Like you mean their hobbies and what they actually Hobbies, like and that's what I would ask. Like, mm. so what do you do? What do you do for fun? Um, but, but sorry, sorry, I'm interrupting yeah, you. Uh, there's this maybe uh, misconception, potentially, mm. I've heard it a lot. The companies don't like, when they're hiring, they don't like to see this candidate doing too many extracurricular activities. For example, uh, if let's say I'm applying for a job and they see that uh, as a startup and leadership experience, I put, I'm still working on a startup, you know, maybe they would not, they're not going to want me because they want this guy to work all the time, you know, for the company. Yeah, for you to so, focus so, like solely on ex the, Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So like, I, I don't know, maybe you've seen, you've definitely seen more than me. So like, what, what do you I, think? Honestly, I think it depends a, what job you're going for. What are you applying for? Um, I think it really does. I honestly believe if you're going to apply for a job, you've got to apply for a job that you truly, truly believe you're going to get. Mm. I, I really do. So like that. this is that a job that you really, really want. Yeah. And I think already that you have that preconceived idea that people might not look at the fact that you're working for a startup. You've already got a preset of belief that it's not going to happen. So I would say that's where you need to do that's, your work. That's a very good point, yeah. by the way. That's it's actually interesting point. because like you were in recruitment for the most part in your life. But when did you decide to take your game or to take your talent to another level and start as a life coach? So I was always coaching in my job. So what would happen is I could see that someone would come in for an interview. They culturally had a fit, but they something was off. I, I didn't think that they would get the job. So I would sit with them and I would coach them. I'd okay. say, okay, do you, what's, what's going on? And I could see that they had a limiting belief. They didn't believe that they would get the job. They didn't think that they could get the salary. And so I would work on their mindset. I would work on their limiting beliefs. We'd uncover it. Literally, I'd boost them up and coach them to do the interview and they would get the job. Oh, that's very nice because that brings me to my next question. And that is, what are the three different types of coaching that you do? So I know you're an executive coach and, uh, and you like empower women. That's something we're going to get into later. And what's the third one? Is it corporate? Yes, I do corporate coaching. Um, and I also do, so I do women empowerment and then I do one-to-one -one executive coaching oh. as well for leadership. May I ask you which one is your favorite and how do you allocate like the time for each one accordingly? Um, my favorite is the one-to-one -one executive coaching. 
And the reason why is because I was talking about this to my husband the other day. I was saying when somebody is so um, motivated, not motivated, but really successful and they're really high achievers, but they've reached a ceiling and something in them doesn't feel good. When they unblock that and they have that drive and they put what you've taught them into action, it's like amazing. they go and make amazing things happen. But, but what, what do you teach them? Like, is it all about belief? I mean, there's also certain practical things potentially that these executive or these applicants or whatever, like we're talking about executive counseling, but like what exercises can they do to, you know, start potentially believing better or performing better. So like when you have these sessions with them, what do you tell them to do? Like what's their homework? Yeah. So really interesting question. So the first thing is when we have a session, it's like, where are you now? And where do you want to get to? Mm. And then we start uncovering. So why do you think you're not there already? What do you think is holding you back? What we start uncovering and generally nine times out of 10, there's a blind spot. There's something they don't see. There's a story they're telling themselves. There's a narrative. There's, there's something that's holding them back. Different for everyone. So the homework will be different for everybody. And then once they uncover that, then they go to the next. And then there may be another level that they've got to. So then we uncover. So it's like a bit like an onion. And you're mm. really uncovering for people to get to the core of how to change. Okay. But, but is it like the, the, the so it's, of course, is, is life coaching in a way similar to psychology? You know, like if they go to a therapist or something, like, is it similar? No. In a way, it's not. It's very different. So if you were to go to a psychologist well, or even a psychotherapist, Th therapist, yeah. yeah, that would, therapists generally just listen okay, and don't really advise. Um, a coach asks you questions to get you to think differently. Okay. So it's practicing, right. practicing the way you think. Yeah. And it's very action-based. It's like, oh, but how can you think of that differently? And how long have you believed that? And what's the effect of believing that? And what if you believe this? How, does that, how do you feel? How, like, it's very, very question. And what I see myself as a coach is I'm a mentor and I'm guiding people to unblock different parts of their brain. 100%. That's very interesting because you're mentioning how you unblock the different parts of their brains and how they can, like, improve in their daily lives Dub, i have a question for you nuna how do you measure the success of people actually unblocking like the things that they should improve upon or like you know in general how do you measure the success and what are the metrics per se you want to put to say like okay this client that i have he has this type of problem and we're gonna like assess like in one year six months eight months like how are they improving like what do you look at mm. their life changes Life changes. Their life this changes. This is the so main metric. First of all, they start feeling better. They're happier. And then say, for example, it depends what you're coming to me for. Is it because you want to get a promotion? They get the promotion. Is it because you want to raise investment for your company? They'll get more money, more investment. Mm. Um, do you want to have a better relationship with your partner? You're great at work, but you're not very happy at home. And it starts changing what they feel good. And then you have, so by uncovering these pieces of onion and seeing, you know, this blind side, they will be able to recalibrate more or less the way they think and see stuff in a different way. Yeah. And they should, they act different. They act different. So once you change the way you think, you feel different. And when you feel different, you take different actions. C can you tell us maybe potentially about uh, an experience you had with, with one of your clients? Uh, so, I don't know if you can disclose definitely like, uh, if you can like give an experience to someone that had an issue, you know, uh, and what was the main roadblock, you know, the, the blind side, mm. uh, how did he overcome it, you know, by uh, taking a different perspective on things. So like, maybe you can give us an example of, of how he improved. Yeah. So I had a she, client who um, was a director and wanted be, wanted to be promoted to a board member. And, um, they also wanted to start doing public speaking. Mm. And what they found is that when they were sitting in meetings, they literally couldn't, couldn't talk. They oh, could talk, oof. but they couldn't 
speak their mind. And I, um, as I'm an intuitive coach, not only do I listen with my ears, I listen with my body as well. So I can feel physically where people are blocked. So I could feel there was a block in his throat. I could feel that there was a tightness in the chest. And so I brought that up. We uncovered it. We found out what it was. Um, now, obviously, time has gone past, got the promotion. And just three weeks ago, sent me a video of him standing up in front of the whole board actually wow, presenting. Wow. So that is a big. And actually, when he got promoted, um, his senior manager turned around to him and said, you're showing up so differently. What's happened? Glad it's an honor. Yeah. Like he <laughs> how, said, it was the best it, return on investment. Three months. Three months. Three months. Three months. months. Yeah, twelve weeks. Oh, go on. Three months. Yeah. It's a good turnover. Exactly. Mm. A, I wanted to ask: Is this like turnover. the average time span for someone to improve, or like again, is it like a case by case kind of thing? It really just depends. I generally advise ninety days, and the reason why is because. The way our brain is wired, it takes 90 days to develop new neuropathways That's true, yeah. that, for your brain. To, yeah. to, so then what happens is you're not thinking, I should say this. You just think it because uh -huh. your brain has created new pathways. Um, so it becomes automatic. So, so, like, so, so like if you, that, that, that's super interesting. So if you really want to change something, a habit, a very bad habit, something you need to fight for 90 days you, you need to push it through 90 days if, if there's something you're stuck on you know and you really want to change it so like in order for your time to process it and like uh, digest it keep pushing for at least 90 days yeah what's 90 days what's like, the time's gonna pass anyway so you might as well spend that time do making the change and doing what you want to do exactly agreed yeah what do you think? Uh, no, <laughs> look, I, the, thing, days long time, no? Man, time. the thing is, it's scientifically backed up, you know. It so is. I like the approach of how you answered this question. And I want to go back a little bit. You were saying something like, for example, an executive coaching, which mm. I think, and you said it's your favorite type of coaching. So sometimes people feel like, oh, I can't do it or, oh, I just not enough. Um, is it important to value yourself so you can expect others to start valuing you like in the first place absolutely it all starts with us and i'll tell you it's the best way i can describe it say for example if you wanted to do a post on instagram yeah. okay and you were doing it because you needed to be validated okay that's the wrong reason well it could maybe it's the right reason for you but if you were doing it for validation and you liked it and you liked it and you liked it and five people liked it you'd think well why not six why not seven? Why not a hundred? Why not 101? You, it will never be enough because you're using that to validate yourself. Compare that to you putting up a post because you love it. You just love the post. You love the like, post. Like I want to put it there just for it to be there. And one person likes it. And you're like, I'm so glad that person you don't liked care. it. Yeah, you know, but, like, you don't, but like, yeah. like you don't care. Like if one person or a hundred person, I'm putting it for, exactly. for my happiness. Exactly. And that's the same with self-love and self-validation. If you have it for yourself, you're not searching it from someone else to give it to you. If you are, no matter what that person does, you're never going to feel full. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's important for people to, to, to literally love themselves before anything else. Yeah. And not try to like a lot of people go out there you know to to, to find uh uh i want this guy to like me or this girl to to look at me or whatever and whatever but like at least from what i think and it also applies in anything you do even at work like focus on yourself first you know if, if you're happy with yourself love yourself people will love you and that that's i think how, how it works no, no that's I've the best way to do it Yanni. don't don't rely on these external elements you know the likes the loves the the, the comments whatever not just on yourself right mm, yeah like uh obviously from the way you're talking i can see the passion in you and how you want like people to evolve and like love themselves and like value themselves more when did you realize nuna your passion to like willingly give and when did you capitalize on it was it in your recruitment days back then or was it as a life coach now so in my, um, when I was a recruiter, I would start running training sessions to other recruiters on 
all of this. So how to change your thinking. And every time I would run one of these sessions, I would like something in me would just glow. I was like, oh my God, this is just, and then I knew, I knew that this is my, this is my calling now. Um, and then COVID happened. I got made redundant and it was actually the best thing that ever happened because I thought, right, it's time for me to do my, and this to do, you know, follow my purpose in life, which is, I really believe this is my purpose. And this is a job that I will do till my last day here. Wow. And how do you start Like, how do you, what's the best way? How do you help people, you know, remove these beliefs that they have of themselves the negative beliefs so they would reach their ambitions. It's everything. It's really getting, for me, the biggest thing is to get to people to, you teach them how to lead themselves. How do you lead yourself when things are bad? How do you lead yourselves when, you know, your life throws up? It's, it's easy to be happy when everything's good. It's, it is, yeah. It's really well, when things like, get tough. Yeah, and so really my teaching is how can you have the strength to lead yourself when it gets tough? And every time, and so it's like how can you trust in yourself? How, and the more you show up for yourself, the stronger you are, the more you attract good things in your life. So mm -hmm. it's like building that strength inside you to be able to deal with life and be happier and more content. And uh, it all, it all come back, it comes back to internally, yeah, how you think of yourself. Everything starts with yourself. Yeah, so Nuna, like I want to tell you this. So I was scrolling through your LinkedIn and I saw one of your posts that was like very interesting. And that was like literally talking about the point that you just mentioned. And that is the duality of emotions that we need to have in our arsenal in order to like, I don't know, uh, overcome things in our lives just be aware have this third perspective that okay it's not like the end of the world if we're sad but it's one thing to capitalize on the sadness because the grass is always greener on the other side so if you had to like summarize how important or like create how important it is to like be sad be aware that you're sad but at the same time be aware of like what are the ways you can take advantage of and turn the sadness into a happy place. Yeah, I think there's such, I think sadness gets such a bad rep because we all feel emotions. We feel sad, we feel angry. It's just an emotion. Mm -hmm. And the way I see emotions is a little bit like water off a duck's back. It just rolls off. The problem is when we become, when we start having thoughts about our sadness, why am I sad? But I shouldn't be sad. And then you're compounding that emotion. Mm. As opposed to just sitting with it, knowing that life is 50-50, you can't feel happiness until, unless you know true sadness. You That's don't know true. what true calmness is unless you felt anger. So when you then give in to the fact that you get to feel all these emotions and it's okay, that's where I think you start stepping into your power. That when you stop yourself having an emotion you're blocking it inside. But when you sit feel and it. Feel, it, feel it, don't be scared of it, just feel and it. Then it just goes. Yeah, that, that's a very good point because like even like myself, yourself, we all went through heartaches. We all went through difficult moments or tragedies that happened uh, back in our country and our personal relationships, you know, Lebanon, uh, lots of uh, horrible things happened and also Iraq and uh, everywhere. So like, but when you, feel these emotions, you know, like you said, you will be able to feel happiness at a much uh, impactful level, I would say, you know, like if you go through a heartache, like whatever, you broke up from a really long relationship, but afterwards, when you find back, you know, this love or whatever, you'll be much more happy, you'll appreciate it much, much more. Don't you think? Yeah, I, I feel like uh, what Muna's trying to say is that we need to embrace, right? We need to embrace the feeling of sadness or any every like emotion. negative. Exactly. I think every emotion. Of course, even if yeah. you get a bad grade, let's say on an exam, the, when you get a higher grade, like embrace your emotion. Okay, you're sad about it. You control it. But then when you actually get a good grade on the exam, you'll be much, much happier, right? Yeah. And even if you did get a bad grade, it's like, okay, so... Now I know where the gaps are and where I need to learn. It's all about how you view it. It's like, what, and also it's like, what are you making that bad grade mean about you? What's, what are you? what's the story you're telling yourself? Are you saying that you're a failure and you can't learn? 
Or are you using it and saying, okay, I got these questions wrong. These are the gaps in my knowledge. These are how I'm going to learn. This is how I'm going to improve. It's all about what are we making this day about ourselves? Exactly. Don't, don't like, for example, an interview, you didn't get it. You, you, you interviewed multiple people. You're like, I got to the last round, but I didn't get the job. Did I not get the job because I'm not like worthy of this job? I don't have the competence to not just like don't take don't take it that way right the job wasn't like, meant for you the There's job wasn't meant better. for you you learned you you gained experience you did okay you did whatever seven interviews you didn't get it eventually nonetheless you learned from it mm. you're able to and feel these emotions okay that like okay next time mentally i'm gonna be even stronger for the next one so that's very important duality and this is what i think is um is what makes you a very powerful person because there's two types of power so there's circumstantial power so if everything goes really well i can feel really good and i'm in my power then there's personal power that regardless of my circumstances i'm okay well i still have my power okay so there's circumstantial and personal and personal power that's personal power is, and is personal the key power is where you want to get to how do you get personal power by being able to own all of your emotions by being able to change your narrative that instead of telling yourself that there's something wrong with you saying i'm going to learn i'm going to grow i'm going to develop and it's all okay so it's using even what doesn't seem to be working for you for you it's having the belief that life works for you and not against you uh-huh that's very interesting because i feel like and correct me if i'm wrong i love it <laughs> i love it <laughs> yeah, yeah because, like what i'm thinking of is like when you have control over your internal like mind let's say this also impacts your external circumstance like the circumstantial power you were talking about right because it's all starts within i feel like when you change when change starts within you will eventually affect your circumstances Completely. and the people that surround you yeah no uh, i feel that's amazing and well he told me previously that he was very interested about the third type of coaching which we promised to get deep into uh woman empowerment i love <laughs> because it's fundamental yeah. right it's very important you know uh nowadays uh like everyone should have equal rights obviously uh, and uh, i love the fact that you empower women you know in, in corporate life uh, entrepreneurship life helping them reach uh, their objectives goals ambitions uh and it's like it's not easy obviously for both genders i'm not going to say it's easy for men no it's not easy uh but i would say that maybe in the society the culture that we are in we're still potentially not at the same level that the western societies have reached in terms of women empowerment and providing them with the tools you know providing with the resources to to reach their ambitions so this is obviously a very important uh, topic to highlight for, to our, all, our audience so like what's potentially the biggest challenge maybe or one of the challenges you know women in our culture in our society face because i i believe like women in our society is, in some places it is evolving and getting better but there's still a certain type of thought process that's built within women you know uh and and that's not like the western society like okay potentially yeah, there's some girls that okay you're raised eventually to get in the house cook and uh, raise the kids you know th that's not uh, the way i think they should think or maybe uh, there's a lot of uh, like they see lots of negatives should i like put more makeup on for work you know to, to look good not look good so like, what are there's so many things you know i tackled here and maybe to direct it to one question what's the biggest challenge right now for women uh, you know to yeah, reach yeah i mean i i would definitely say that this is the women that i work with it ranges between you know we're we're in dubai at the moment middle east but you know even in the western world i think naturally women are a lot more nurturing and they do have this aspect to them the thing that i think is very important in women empowerment is that for the women empowerment movement to really take place women have to empower themselves themselves individually so i have to empower myself as a woman before i start talking about women empowerment so how do we do that people pleasing is a really big thing that i think women we end up doing we end up saying yes when we mean no we say yes to all the things and then what happens is we end up getting resentful um we suffer from overwhelm we take too much on we take on work at home 
work at work. Um, the other thing is women don't speak up for themselves. The reason why men tend to earn more than women is because they're very comfortable for asking for a pay rise, whereas women tend to play it small more. So what my work for women is very much like own your voice, step into your power, um, stop people pleasing, stop playing small, start falling in love with who you are, um, really empower who you are from inside. Then we can start talking about women empowerment. But yeah. unless this work is done individually for women. But, but, but how did we reach the stage that like, okay, you said women naturally are more uh, caring, you know, nurturing. Uh, but how did we reach you know this or maybe it's, it came naturally like why are men not scared to, uh, like quote unquote scared but like to ask for this pay raise why are women you know maybe they don't take this risk why are we in this I situation just, um i mean look men and women's brain are are different anyway definitely. you know they're definitely. naturally different 100%. men very much are um you know hormonally they're different they have more testosterone there are so many different reasons and we could spend hours going to what and you know go straight into history and you know why are men more likely to do that for me that's not really the question to ask the question is to ask what can women do now to empower themselves to start stepping into their power more um And it's what changes can we make to move forward? Exactly. So let's not look at what, what happened historically because there's so many events. There's of, so obviously, many different obviously, aspects. Obviously, there's obviously, political, obviously. there's gender, there's... But you what know. can we do now? Yes, As exactly. As you said, women and that find is, it within them. Yeah. And that is women to start speaking up for themselves, women start to stop people pleasing, to empower themselves, to, again, fall in love with themselves, start feeling good about who they are not to be in competition and, and with other women. hundred percent. Um, That's very important. Now, and during your coaching, like, of course, all that you said right, right now applies. Uh, but again, like the, this question, maybe I asked also previously, like, do you give them any type of like exercises, you know, to do like, it could be like exercise to train their brain practice the way they think, as we, you mentioned earlier, uh, any type of physical exercises potentially, because I know like, even for men, like, We, we care about the way we look even for women same thing applies so like what are the most important things you know the, that they that you teach them that you tell them you coach them what should they do yeah so i mean it is obviously different for each woman but some of the training that i do i mean i just ran an event yesterday about a feminine leadership and that was very much about stepping into our feminine not Um, you know, stepping into our feminine energy and not really in going into our masculine energy because when women go into their masculine, they step away from their true power. Um, and the thing that I would say with women, it's um, look how you talk to yourself. Women can really put themselves down like, I don't look good. She looks better than me. I look, um, I wish I looked like that. I can't believe I just said that. I wish I said this. So In, on a general scale for women, I get them to watch how they're talking. Like I would say to them, talk to yourself like you would your best friend. 100%. Agreed. It goes for everyone. Uh, so yeah, there, that's where like your job comes into play. For, for women, like you talk women into like believing in themselves that you are like a leader, you are enough so that you can make a change on a higher level. But speaking of leadership, I want to listen to your perspective on how do you like spot a leader in a room? What are like these certain character traits that you spot and you say, yep, that's the leader I'm looking for? Mm, so easy. It's someone who is able to lead themselves. So if, if, I'm, if there's um, you know, two CEOs here or two leaders and one person is sat there really you know, shouting at their team not um you know something goes wrong and they're getting angry and they're losing their temper that for me is not someone who is a true leader a leader is someone who is able to lead themselves who's able where you you want to follow and you want to see what that person is doing because you're in awe it's like how they hold themselves it's the energy it's everything to do with you don't even have to be a ceo to be a leader 100 you could be a leader by, you know, working in a supermarket, but it's the way that you do it. It's the way that you deal with tough situations and you do it in such grace and with empathy with other people. And, and humbleness, you want to help I think, others. Uh, humbleness, humbleness. 
That for me, the true leader. Uh, and something that about because we're talking about leaders, uh, I think something very important for, for to be a leader is that a leader works to produce more leaders. You know, he doesn't lead just to lead employees or lead co-workers and colleagues. No, I want to lead someone so he becomes his own leader and maybe my lead one day. I think that's that's yeah. really important to, to become and a And I leader. think the difference, the way I see it, is that the leader, the leader who wants to be the best, if they want to be the best best, then it means there's no room for anyone else. But if a leader wants to be one of the greatest, then they can stand amongst other great. Amazing. And that's what I think makes the leader, that they're happy to have someone else stand by their side and be great as well. It's not like, I'm the best. Like, yeah, I'm the I, totally, I totally mm. agree. What do you think? La, I, I, <laughs> I love this quote, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And uh, like, especially what you mentioned, like, I feel there is this misconception, you know, okay, if you have a high position, that means you're automatically called a leader. And that's wrong. Like, as you mentioned, you may work at a supermarket or like anywhere else and be a leader because you have these certain traits. You want to see the people around you succeed. You don't want the success only to be like applicable to you. You want everyone to succeed. And that's like what you mentioned, like producing the most uh, number of leaders as possible. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's also someone who really embodies it. So it's not like you sit in the boardroom and you're, um, you know, able to get everyone to do what you want them to do. And then you go home and you're having an argument with your wife and you're not very nice to your children. And it's that for me, isn't really a leader. It's exhausting having to be someone somewhere. For me, a leader is they embody all of it. Naturally. Like, and and, so and that, in their life. Exactly. So that when it's like, who are you when no one's looking? Exactly. It's, it's all the time. It's that's, all. that's a leader, like true embodiment. No, yeah, definitely. Because at the end of the day, I mean, you don't want to be fake. You know, like, as you said, if you're just doing it at work, you're faking it. Yeah, and people can sense it. Yeah, a hundred percent. They'll read, they'll, they will read through they you. They feel it. Yeah. I mean, uh, and now we go back to, to the woman part. Is it more difficult to, I'll give you my opinion. Then I'd love to hear yours. Is it more difficult to be a woman leader than like a man leader? We, we've established what's a leader. Yeah. So like for me, I mean, it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, difficult for both genders it comes with lots of challenges and okay with, with, with history that has happened before maybe and uh, the way now women, you know, are leading it is a tougher challenge for them to reach these levels, especially, uh, for example, back in the days, you'd see board of directors that's 10 men, let's say now women are getting into these boards, mm. that's a good sign, definitely, because for me, I love to have a woman's perception because as you said, uh, physically in the mind, you know, the, the brains are different. So it's good to have this perception of a woman. So like back to the main question, but like for me, I think it's, it's a bit more challenging, you know, uh, it's becoming more and more uh, implemented by, by the governments and all of that. But even if you go to look at the government in Lebanon, for example, you have 128 uh, member of the parliament, maybe 10 women. Um, it's not the ex exact number, but like, you see what I mean here? Yeah, I, I think times need to catch up. I actually think women make absolutely great leaders. and the Of more, course, um, but it's more challenging for them to reach that. I think it's more challenging because of the way society is set up, not because of how the fact that women can do it. I think women... Um, when they move up and they really step into their feminine and they're not leading with their masculine, they can make incredible leaders. Yeah, 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 100%. So I feel like you're on a mission. Every day you wake up, Every that's day. what you're fighting for. <laughs> that's your passion. And that's what you're fighting for. Um, um, you said yesterday you were at this feminine leadership uh, workshop. Mm. So um, when did you start these type of workshops and did this like validate your passion for women empowerment in general? So actually yesterday was my first one. It wow. was the first one that I hosted. Wow. Um, I would love to hear it. Like, is it online? Or? Yeah, no, it's live. And it actually, was only yeah, live, not recorded. Was, um, yeah. So I really want to do, um, start doing live events. I have this real desire to like share my yeah. wisdom with of course knowledge but based on knowledge and experience and women definitely. and everyone really so um so yeah i'm, I'm gonna start doing them once a month 
um, on different topics. We'd love to get invited. Yeah, <laughs> I'll May, let you know. Definitely, maybe just one, one more thing regarding this topic. Uh, what, like, of course, you said found it, find it in yourself, but what can, what would be like a, a catalyst uh, move to let Arab women, you know, speed up their process? I mean, fundamentally, it comes from within. Is there anything else you can add to that? I th I think just women, more women putting their hands up and saying this is what we want this is, and moving forward and fighting for it. I th and I think it is happening, especially in Dubai, I think. 100%. Yeah, yeah, in Dubai, are, definitely. Yeah, um, in the UAE so, you know, as a whole. And really, I think it's just having, creating more positions for women to be able to stand into it. So, And this is why I think when I'm doing talks like on feminine leadership, it's so important because... Um, when women are in more powerful positions, unfortunately, what happens is we feel that we have to step into our masculine, very much use the pushing and the forcing and that mm -hmm. kind of energy, um, which you end up getting overwhelmed and burnout because um, it doesn't match our energy. So yeah. um, I, that's how I feel that when women are empowered to lead with their feminine, which is trust and, and empathy. How would a society full of only women leaders be like would it be oh, obviously would, i think it would, it would be, be better, better. <laughs> 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 no, obviously. but look i, I mean I, I still think if, you know i don't look i think it, i'm not even really talking about difference in gender i think it's just about having people who um who are leading who have dealt with their own internal trauma and their internal um limiting beliefs because so many people in power 100%. You can see that what's coming out is fear. Yeah. It's fear-based. And regarding the leadership, I mean, you touched on a very good point. It requires a certain type of discipline, you know, to build this uh, leadership mindset. Uh, and I know you've worked on it. You've built it on yourself. You posted about, like, not uh, eating sugar, uh, no alcohol, no carbs for, like, 100 days. How were you able to, to sustain that? Would you... I'll also advise it to some of you, the people that come and see you. And what's the benefits of it? I mean, what was mm -hmm. the end goal, you know? Um, if they want to, I, I, I mean, I'm definitely not the person to tell anyone to do anything. Not, not yeah, tell yeah. them, but uh, I advise them maybe. It depends if that's what they want. I think for me, um, what reason, was it about? Yeah, the reason why I did it is because one of my sayings is to make drastic changes. You have to make drastic changes. You have to make drastic changes. Yeah, so if you want to change your life, moves. then you have to change your life. That's a very simple way, an effective way to put it. And a very hard <laughs> thing to do. So, you know, to make drastic changes and then make drastic changes is, is it's, you know, drastic. Uh, I wanted to do something really drastic, basically. What, wanted, one, well, what did you want to do? Is it, like you uh, is it like you just wanted, you know, to change a certain mindset, implement a certain discipline? You want to lose maybe a bit of weight? So, like, what was yeah, the Yeah, it was everything. It was everything, really, yeah? Yeah, it was everything. I really wanted it to... It helped you? Well, massively. I mean, especially for with my business to um, just to, because I believe that how you do one thing is how you do a lot of things. So if you're able to be very focused on your diet, with your training, on your, you know, cons on your vices and not consuming things that you know are bad for you, that has a domino effect in different areas of your life. Obviously. So if you're always giving in to sugar, what other area in your life are you also giving into? What mm. other parts of your life? Where at work are you giving in? Where, you know, because it all so starts. deep, man. It, You're it really good does. Points. So, um, You're touching good points. So I just wanted to, again, it's all embodiment. And I really wanted to sit and prove to myself that I could do, I could do it. And I did. So I'm now, I'm now on nearly 200 days of no alcohol. 200 is, days. Yeah. Wow. And how does it feel like in general? Good. Good. It's really yeah? good. Yeah. Feels good. Did you feel like you built like a closer relationship with your emotions because you had like this clarity when you stopped drinking and like uh, sugar and carbs in general? Yeah, I'll tell you, it's a really good question, actually. I think for me, I had a real thing about not wanting to be bored. Not wanting to be bored. Yeah, I really have a thing with boredom. And I didn't realize that until I had taken away, you know, because I would sit there on the weekend and maybe I'd have a glass of wine or and to, to wind down. And what I realized it was, it was me running away from being bored. I didn't want to be bored. You just, I didn't realized, want to feel bored. You just made me realize that I have the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, and I thought, okay, that's interesting. And actually 
when once I learned to sit with my boredom, I. But how realized, do you manage your boredom? I mean, at the end of the day, like, like wh- how, how, like, why would you feel bored? I mean, was it? It's like there, you need to fill your time with activities, or maybe naturally when you go out before then. You felt like if you don't drink, it's boring. It was just, um, I didn't realize it until I had stopped. Um, and then I thought, oh, I think it like, I think, God, I am feeling a bit bored. And I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I started, I'd taken up painting. Um, I've taken up so many different hobbies. I've got into, I've started Reiki training. Um, so I just ended up filling my time with so many other things. So yeah, it's been, um, I think the big thing about taking away advice is learning to sit with your emotions and learning to sit, controlling sit. your emotions just like i think is the main okay takeaway. i'm feeling a bit sad or i'm feeling all this and the fact that i've managed to sit with the range of emotions i've blown my own mind to what i can do it's so this amazing. discipline helped you mm. this discipline eating also helped you like disciplining your emotions your mind discipline the way you my think, business your business yeah with my like money these small changes, everything. sometimes people don't realize that it is like these things up. can have a huge impact because it's the same process you've it's only got one process. brain yeah <laughs> so the way you you do your you know you use your brain for one thing you're using it for exactly the same strategy on something yeah, that's else. something i apply also in my life like mm-hmm. working out like i have to work out like don't eat like at least two hours three hours before you go to sleep don't eat mm. you know like and these small things you know when you discipline them without you even noticing they help you, you as you said yeah you know discipline the way you approach a business in your life you know like with commitment yeah you know and uh so like i definitely advise you know the audience to to, to realize these small habits that they could change which they might not realize how big of an impact it could have on their mindset and eventually their lifestyle. Yeah. And it is a little habit. It's like, say, you know, you want to crack a really big stone and you're cracking the hammer at it. And um, to the book on the um, atomic habits, and you hit and you hit and you hit. And then one hit after a thousand breaks the stone. Now, it wasn't that thousand hit. It was the accumulation of these uh-huh. little bits of pressure that made it. And so to get the in- big exactly. impact. Exactly. Wow. You need I that. I love these quotes. Yeah, we, yeah. we need to quote it yeah. and put it on the wall. Right That's there. from the Atomic Habit <laughs> books. So yeah. That's a clip. It's actually crazy we're having this conversation because right before we came here, Walid was asking me like, yo, what did you do yesterday night? And I was like, I didn't do anything. Maybe like the first Friday, I don't do anything. But that's my question. Great. Maybe because like now or like, okay, it's been a while, but since you started like practicing your passion, is it like, not in okay khalas, I finish the weekdays and then I come to the weekends. So yeah, I need to do something. I need to have fun. But actually you're having fun every day. So does this play a role? Because for me, ever since we started this podcast, like for me personally, I haven't been going out as much. Um, I don't mind sitting Friday night at home because I know today, yeah, today I'll come, I'll have such a wonderful conversation mm. just like we're having right now. So I don't know. I'm, Again, it's crazy because now, like, while you're talking, I'm like, you're realizing yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So uh, does this play a role? And when you're passionate about something and when you're so focused on something, like, you wouldn't have imagined you're in this type of situation yeah. where you would reach this, but you know. I'll tell you what's been the biggest difference for me. It's slowing down. Slowing down, taking a moment. Yeah. Breathe. And it's really like just the importance of rest, the importance of you know, having a bath in the evening or what I would have considered before, like oh, in my 20s, like, oh, this is too boring. <laughs> you know, now it's like um, there's a real art in in just stopping because it's when you slow down that you are giving your brain a rest to start taking on the big ideas. And really that's sometimes where my biggest inspirations drop is when it's quiet. So what I used to do, is I'd listen to a podcast. I wanted to make the most of every minute, like even listen to how my voice has become yeah, like, it's yeah. like, I want to listen to this and I want to listen to that. And it's exhausting. And then what happens? You burn out. Whereas I've managed to like get this kind of even, you know, bit of happiness. It's like a mountain. It just goes up and up and up and up. And it's done in a, in a way that really looks after my nervous system that I can go like, this is my business and, you know, peak up and then 
I can kind of rest and then I can peak up again and rest and peak up rather than go, 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 and then crash. 100%. And it's looking after your nervous system. And it is, and I think once, I mean, what you're doing is incredible. You're slowing down because the highs are getting, they're, they're not fake highs. You know, they're much more um, powerful. Yeah, taking it's more taking, organic, I yeah. feel. Like. Yes, taking, exactly. Taking time to contemplate on what's happening, mm. refocusing. You know, that, yeah. that's and that's why, like important. CEOs, the higher they get, the more they're actually being paid to think. Exactly, not to execute. They're think. not. No, the, I mean, they're, they're not going to sit and answer the phone on reception, are they? Because no. that's not going to be a good no, use no, of definitely. their time. They're they're paid to think. To think exactly, and then give the the actions. What may maybe the the next question is, is an important one. What's one advice? you know, from all our conversation that you would give, you know, the audience to reach their ambitions, to reach their goals, stop thinking negatively about themselves. So like, what would you advise them? So my big advice is to be, just have a look and see how you're getting in your own way. Mm. Because most of the time when we're not achieving what we want, we tend to go into the blame game. Like, I didn't get that promotion or my boss doesn't like me or my parents weren't nice to me or, you know, my boyfriend broke my heart. And it's, there comes a point where you need to take radical responsibility for your life. 100%. And it can be tough, but I find it also the most liberating thing because it means we're in control. So 100%. I would take a really good look. Very, very inspiring. Would like to add anything to that? Um, Nuna, I just want to know, like, what are your future plans down the road? Are you, like, looking to expand the type of coaching you've already given? Or, like, uh, you're now focusing on, like, executive, corporate, and women empowerment? Oh, no, I have, like, massive plans. So, wow. Any um, spoilers you can give out? Yeah, no, like, I really want to create, like, the Netflix um, of corporate training online. So I really want to create a big... Um, website where but where people can go in and be like oh how to recruit but how to recruit using everything that i've got to teach so be oh i want to cheat or oh, how to do sales oh how to get a promotion how to um have a better relationship so i really want to create this online um body of work um mm. but i also really have a desire to speak to you know, I see myself speaking in front of thousands of people. So oh, I don't wow. know how, I don't know when that's going to happen. Hopefully but it will. soon. <laughs> Hopefully soon, Nuna. I mean, uh, a lot of beautiful, much value-added insights that were provided uh, to the audience and to us. I mean, I was enlightened personally, and I would like to say uh, thank you very, very, very much for today. It was uh, a pleasure. It was a pleasure. And please, uh, anyone, you can go ahead and follow Nuna Nafusi on LinkedIn. You can approach her at any time. She's always here to help. Uh, I mean, you can see today how much insights she provided. 100%. And uh, I don't know if you ha want to have any closing words. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, honestly, just to say, first of all, thank you so much. I love what you're doing. I think the chemistry between you is great. <laughs> and I just love much. this podcast. I'm definitely going to listen to your other podcast. Um, and yeah, I really hope that this has helped somebody to just inspire them to 100%. take um, That's our action. Aim. That's our aim. Yeah. Guys, thank you very much for watching. Please do not forget, like, Subscribe, subscribe, hit the alert button so you get uh, notifications. <laughs> the notifications. And leave a review, become higher takers. Exactly. Leave a feedback. Let us know if there's certain topics you want us to talk about. We'd be more than happy to look into that. Maher, please finish it off. Guys, always awesome. have a, a higher, higher take, take on life. See you guys. <laughs>